John chapter 20, uh, let us stand in verse 17. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascended unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples what she had seen in the Lord, that he had spoken these things unto her. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for what you've done. We thank you for your mercy, grace, and love. We thank you for each one that's here. Open our hearts, Lord, that we may receive the message that we stand in need of this morning, Lord. Empty myself, fill me thy spirit. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, the Lord is going to reveal something to this woman that he doesn't reveal to his disciples. He doesn't reveal to his uh, 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 apostles, he reveals this to this woman who he cast out seven devils out of her. He's going to give her a real golden doctrine nugget, if you will. And that's a blessing to you and I this morning. We, we, we even find that Paul grabbed a hold of this uh, uh, and expounded on it later on in the scriptures. I, I have something to say about what we have read. Here we find Mary at the tomb, brokenhearted, weeping. And she finally realized that the one standing in front of her is not the gardener, but the Lord Jesus Christ that saved her. She wants to touch him. Wouldn't you want to reach out and grab somebody you hadn't seen in a while? Won't you want to reach out and touch the hand and shake the hand or hug their neck? And rightly so, he had saved her. But Jesus said something interesting. He looks at this woman and said, touch me not. It's not because he's trying to be rude. It's not because he wants, don't want her to touch him. Because we find out later on in the chapter 20, he shows up in the upper room uh, uh, and a few hours later and he tells the apostle, touch me, handle me. Just a few hours later from this scene, he is allowing and wanting people to touch him then. What is the reason why he does not allow her to touch him? He said, it is for this reason. I have not yet ascended to my Father. I have I've risen from the grave. I, I've come back from the dead. I have come out of the tomb, but I have not yet gone back to heaven. I still get got something to do. What in the world could he have to do that he's done, done it all on the cross of Calvary? There's some things that I have not done yet before I ascend to glory, before I go to my Father. You say, what preacher does he got to do? What does he got to do at this point that he had not already done done? I'm so glad you asked that question this morning. Because he didn't go up there you wouldn't be able to go up there. 
because of what he's about to do and what he has done, every one of us sitting in here can get to heaven. It's going to take what he does in order to get us to heaven. We've got to get a hold of that. Set truths that we've got to get a hold of. If any one of us is going to get in heaven, then he must do what he has to do. Look at Romans chapter number 3. Romans chapter 3. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon them that believeth, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a perpetuation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believe in Jesus Christ. What did Mary see when she saw the Savior? She saw a Savior that was making propitiation for, uh, for you and I. You say, Preacher, you've just lost me with that $10 word there. I know I've lost myself on that word. I, I, I don't understand that word. I have to get inside that word and look at it. Can I say you are, uh, we're living in the last days. Because these words are uh, not coming out of the pulpit. Words that mean something. The truths of, that, of the Word of God are not coming out of the pulpit anymore. The great doctrinal words that's left out of the pulpit are words that come out of the uh, headings of salvation. Words that end in I-O-N. Words like redemption, adoption, justification, remission, imputation, regeneration, reconsideration, and sanctification. Those words are not being preached on anymore. You don't hear those kind of words preached about no more. You know, we're dumbing down uh, the Christian society today. When all you hear from the pulpit is your life will be a better one. Everything's going to be good. I, I've even heard them say once you get saved, you will have no sickness and no problems in your life. Show me in the Bible because I missed that somewhere along the line. I, I know that when I got saved, I started having problems. I, I started having heartaches. And not from the world, but the devil and the flesh would just come after you. In the text in verse 25, someone who makes propitiation, 
who said this, that word means in the Old Testament, and that word is found in the form of atonement. Look at the word, uh, that one word in that, in that Old Testament. It means to bring back together into one. That's what atonement is, bringing back together the things. Propitiation literally means, uh, uh, don't miss this, don't miss this. The act of appeasing God's wrath upon man and making God favorable towards sinners. This word is found in two other places. First John chapter 2. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. It's found in 1 John chapter 4. Here is love that we love God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. You say, what does that all mean? That means only Jesus Christ can satisfy or appease and smooth the wrath of God towards man. God. Through the eyes that no longer see you as a sinner. But now he looks at you through merciful eyes. Gracious eyes. It's not because of what you've done. Because what his son has done for you. You say, what is going on when Jesus is about to ascend uh, and tells Mary, uh, uh, don't touch me, he's about to go and, and do propitiation for you. say, what? I thought he already did at the cross of Calvary when they put him in the tomb. I thought it was done there. That was the start of the work of propitiation. That was the start of it. That wasn't the whole work. There is more to come. There is something must take place in the heavens for propitiation to be making. For the appeasement of God God's satisfaction on sinners. Uh, today, totally come today, I, I, I want to give you these three things and we'll be done on this thought. About this place of propitiation, where it was settled at. You, you say, where did it get settled at? I know that he died on the cross and he said it was finished. He shed his blood. But can I say just shedding the blood on earth didn't satisfy or appease the wrath of God. He had to take that blood to a place. It had to be put in a certain place. For it to ever more settle this morning for God's wrath towards man, that blood had to be placed in a certain place in the heavens. And perpetuation was settled forevermore then. 
Hebrews chapter 15, and you don't have to turn it up if you don't want to. That's okay. Hebrews chapter 8. Verse 1. Now of these things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne in the majesty in the heavens, a minister of sanctification of truth and tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. Do you understand when Moses pitched the tent, the tabernacle in the wilderness, he didn't just do it by his own plan, his own design. It was given to him by God, do it this way. It had to be this way. It had to look this way. And what God was doing says, hey, you may be pitching one on the earth, but I've already got one pitched up here in the heavens, and I want that one down here to look exactly like that one. It's not pitched by man, but pitched by God. For every high priest is ordained to all the gifts and sacrifices thereof, if it's necessary that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if, we're, if we are on earth, he should not be priests, seeing that these are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses had admonished of God when he is about to make the tabernacle for see saith he that thou shalt make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mound. You say, what does this say? What does this have to do with me? What does this have to do about preaching this morning? When Jesus ascended on high, when he left that woman standing there at the tomb and he told her, go tell my brethren, I have ascended into my father. When he ascended up, he was fulfilling every picture of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, priests uh, had to come once a year uh, and they had the, the blood of the lamb, the holy lamb, the spotless lamb, the non-blemished lamb, and they would go into the temple. And every year, just one priest, not many, just one priest was selected by God, ordained by God, commanded to God by God. He was the only one that allowed to go behind the veil. And when he had to take that blood with him, the blood had to go with him. He could not go without the blood. And when he gets in that veil, he got in that veil where the Ark of the Covenant with God was at. He walked in that veil and they put a robe on him, put bells on him because, hey, if he'd done something wrong there, God would have struck him right there. It would have happened. They had him tied up. They had to drag him out. But he had to do exactly what God said to do. He took the blood of the lamb, of that sacrificial lamb, and put it on the, the horns of the uh, uh, covenant Ark. And then he sprinkled on the covenant there, set his fire. God, appeasing God, not getting rid of it, but satisfying for one year. And he had to come back another year. And another year. This had to be done over and over and over to satisfy God's wrath towards mankind. You said, what does that do for us today? Look at chapter 9. Now watch chapter 9, verse 8. 
The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience which stood only in the meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnival ordinance imposed upon them until the time of the Reformation. But Christ being come and a high priest of good things to come by greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by blood of goats or calves, by the his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having ordained, obtained uh, eternal redemption for us, for it is the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkled upon the uh, unclean sanctified and the purifying of the flesh how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God all those Old Testament sacrifices they're always doing is just pointing towards something. The old tabernacle was just pointing forward to something. You ask, what was it pointing for? On this day, Jesus Christ got up out of the grave and told Mary, touch me not. I have not yet ascended to my father. And she took off and she wanted ascended. He ascended up into heaven and she went and told them what Jesus said. He went into the third heaven. Praise God. He got up there. He got up uh, can you picture the scene? Uh, here he was, been on the earth for 33 and a half years. All of glory had been gone. He hadn't been around them. Oh, what joy it might have been when he walked through the gates there. All the heavenly hosts start singing. All the holy hosts start praying, praising God. Oh, holy God. And he takes his folks in there. He's the only one that can get into the temple. He's the only one that can go through the holiest holies. And he walks up in there and he takes something with him. He doesn't have it in his hand he's got it on his body and he goes in there and he puts it on that mercy seat so the atonement is set forever and eternal now you and I have that eternal reputation we have a propitiation from God because his son died and placed it on the mercy seat not down here but up there Woo. praise God there is no greater Bible doctrine in the scriptures on what I'm preaching about. The fact that I don't have to earn it. The fact that I don't have to work for it. But Jesus Christ settled it all. He settled the score between God and man. And he did it with his own blood. He did it with his own blood. That satisfy the mercy seat. Can you imagine them watching all this take place in heaven? How he was on the cross, hanging for the sins of the world. He died. His body laid in a tomb, but his soul was in hell for three days. 
And on that third day he arose and he went back to heaven. What a scene that was in heaven. What the shouting and praising. He done what no man could do. He done what you could not do, what I could not do. He done what had to be done in order for you and I to enter in through the gates of heaven. There must be an atonement for sin. And you say, well, I, I don't know if I had that kind of sin. You got sin in your life. I'm telling you that now. Everybody says, the Bible says, the him that knoweth to do good and do it not is sin unto him. How many of you know that you should have done something good and didn't do it? That was sin. He was making propitiation for you and I this morning. There, there, there's a lot more to the resurrection than just this, brother. A lot more. A lot more. Going back to Romans chapter 3 again. Not only did we see the place where it was settled. But we see the person that propitiation satisfied. Jesus said, I'm ascending to my Father. I have got to go satisfy His demands. Romans 3, 25, from whom God has set forth. I love that. You ought to run around that in your Bible and just get a hold of that real quick. The world will come out and tell you, just keep the law and you'll be saved. You keep the law of Moses, you'll be saved. There were those that come out and say, hey, you just follow Paul, what Paul said, and you'll be saved. There were those that come out and say, hey, just do what the disciples did, and you'll be saved. There are those that come out and say, hey, do what Muhammad said to do and you'll be saved. Do what Buddha said to do and you'll be saved. Or Reverend Moon, you do what you want to be saved. Or uh, Joseph Smith, you just do what they said and you'll be saved. But Bible said, God said he set forth. Set forth. One. Not many ways. He set forth one way. He's, you say, God says, hey, hey, there's only one way, and that's through my son. You must follow him. The Lord God said, I choose him. The Bible says before Moses, and it was after Moses. The Lord didn't choose any of those people. I have set forth my son. That's my choice. If you want perpetuation in your life, this is my choice. This is God's choice. The one that made settled the heavens and earth, who hung the stars and the moons in the sky, the one that sits on the throne in heaven and glory, he said, I've made my choice. And my choice is Jesus. If you want to get a appeasement from God if you want to get through that one God has got it, it has to come through him there's only one person that can satisfy perpetuation it's God the almighty all powerful all knowing has made a choice and he chose his son you say I sure wish he had chose me so do I but you ain't good enough. 
I'm not good enough. Well, I, I wish you'd have done this. I wish you'd have done that. If you want to get chose, listen, I want you to get a hold of this. If you want to get chose by God, then it has to go through His Son. There's no other way. You may think you're a good person, all your good works and all the good things you do is going to get you there. There's no other but one way. If you want God to select you, then you must select His Son and trust in the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, what He done for you. I can never satisfy the wrath of God. You can never satisfy the wrath of God. There's, there's not enough good works I can do in my life to satisfy the wrath of God. The Bible says God's wrath towards man, he's anger and wicked every day. The Bible said that he wrath of God abideth on the unbelieving man every day. There is nothing I can do in my flesh. I can't tithe enough. I can't give enough. I can't pray enough. I can't witness enough. I, I, I can't even live a good, clean life enough to make God look down on me with mercy and passion and love. I'm still just an old, rugged, filthy sinner that deserves to go to hell but thanks God there comes one that believed that lived a perfect life he lived a sinless life he lived a righteous life he never he never went where he should not have went he never said a thing he should not have said he never even think thought of impure thought his thoughts were clean. His words were clean. He never had pride, lust, or envy in his heart. And at the end of his life, Pontius Pilate said, Look at him. And three times he said, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. God says, you're right, Pontius. I find no fault in him either. The one that satisfies God, the wrath this morning, we find the place of propitiation settled. We find the person that propitiation satisfies. Let me give you this. Find the people that Propitiation saves this morning. God has set forth to be a Jesus to be a propitiation through faith in his blood this morning. Romans 3:26. I declare, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believe in Jesus. Can I say God's got a major problem this morning? God's got a big problem this morning. How, how, how in the world, listen, 
How in the world does God justify me? Dirty, rotten, old, stinky sinner. How, how does he justify me? In fact, how does he justify anyone sitting in here? Because we're all sinners. The Bible's just, we just read, we all sin and come short of glory of God. We, how, how, does, how's a God how does God justify us and still be the justifier? You, you see that? He, he has to be the justifier. In order for him to be just, he has to be the justifier. Because he's the only one who can just, justify all our sins. He's the only one to make him clean. So God has a problem. How in the world does he take to what we are, dirty, rotten, scandal sinners, and justify us, and God still remain to be just? How does he do that? I'm glad you think of that. He does it through his son, Jesus Christ. He went to the cross in my place. He died in my place. <laughs> He's on the cross receiving the sins of the world and me so that I don't have to go to the cross and die. He was buried so that I don't have to be buried. Thank God when he rose on the third day, I get to rise with him. I'm buried with him and rise with him. I, I'm telling you, you got to get a hold of this propitiation. God did something wonderful for you and I at the cross of Calvary, and that wasn't the finish, but then again, boom. I, I read a story of George Wyatt back in the Civil War, and I thought this was very interesting. He, uh, Wife and several kids, and they came to him and says, <laughs> that old great draft notices back in the Civil War, they didn't, they didn't give you a notice that if you want to come, they just come with guards and say, you're going with us. So you got, you got selected into this great war that we get ready to have. And he didn't want to go. He had the kids. He had wife. He had things. He, had, he didn't want to go. There, there was a family that lived up above him, had some strong young men. So he went up there and talked to him. He said, I, I, I'll do this for you. If you get one of your boys to go in my stead, I'll give you $20. Back that time, $20 was a lot of money. Times were hard. $20 went a long ways. So the family talked about it and said, yep. One of them said, I'll do it. I'll go, I'll go in your place. His name was Pratt. Six months into the war, <laughs> I love this story. Mr. Pratt was killed. But he was, had the name of George Hyde. George Wyatt, that's what, he went in the name of George Wyatt. And when they found out, they, 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 uh, they came to arrest the George says, you, you're on trial for uh, uh, evading a, a military call. You're, you're going to arrest you and all that stuff. And the trial, he went and got his lawyer. And when he was standing in the courtroom, and I love this, he was in the courtroom, he said this. And the, his lawyer came up and says, you cannot try this man 
because he's already dead. <laughs> what do you mean? We have him on the battlefield. We have him dying this day. We have him buried this day. You cannot try this man because somebody has already died in his place. And even on Pratt's tomb in Tennessee, it's got there, died in the place of another one. So what's that got to do with me? Oh, thank God. There was one that died on the cross in your place. That should have been your home. That should have been your place. That should have been your guilty. That should be your sin. That should be your destination is hell because God demanded punishment for sin and let me just say this God always punished sin and God demanded a redeeming somebody to go to the cross of Calvary I can just say praise the Lord he did it for me and you but I'm wondering this morning this is my wondering this morning and I'm done with uh, I'm wondering, have you chose propitiation in your life? Have you chose it? What do you mean I have to choose? Oh, yeah. You've got to choose. You have to choose. Do you want to be the one that died on the cross and pays your sins for yourself? You've got to choose. Is that, that what I want? Well, I'm going to accept the fact that Someone else died in my place. He loved me enough to care for me. He stretched out his arms on the cross to Calvary. He said, I'll take it for you. I'll do it for you. Have you applied that to your life? Have you said, Lord, I, I, I accept what you've done at the cross of Calvary. I accept the blood. I trust the blood and the work of Calvary. I, I trust in that. And I know that if I trust in that, I, I've got a place in heaven. I've got a home in heaven. I've just got to trust in that. Are you trusting in that this morning? Have you put your faith in what he has done for you this morning? I I, I wonder. I find so many people that just push them away day after day. We've gone through those. They, they push him away. They, they mocked him. They cursed him. But yet he's the solution to your problems. He's the answer to your heartaches. The old song, Jesus paid it all and washed me white as snow. You've got to apply it. You've got to apply it to your life. I wonder this morning, have you applied it to your life this morning? Are you trusting in what Jesus Christ has did for you at the cross of Calvary this morning? It would be a good place and a good time to go ahead and say, Lord, I want to trust in you. I, I believe in you. I'm just going to lay my heart on the altar and it belongs to you this morning. Be a good time to do that this morning. Let's bow our heads.